Thanks for checking out the Spirit Church podcast today. Wherever you're listening from, we pray that this message encourages you. Now, here's Dr. Daryl Wooten. Now, if you haven't been with us, then you know that we've been journeying through faith in action. That the book of James, written by the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until the resurrection... Think about that. He was there. He didn't believe in Jesus until he saw the power of the resurrection, and then he spent the rest of his life as a leader in the church. And if you've not experienced the power of the resurrection, it will change your life. It did for James. And he wrote the first book in the New Testament. So out of all the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all the way to Revelation, most scholars believe that James has the earliest writings, if not the earliest, one of the earliest writings. And what it is, it's a handbook on Christianity. If you're new to the faith, you need to read James because it tells us how do we deal with trials. It tells us how we deal with our mouths. It, it tells us how we deal with worship. And, and it's a powerful book. And I'm just going to take a passage out of James chapter 3, and I'm going to share with the graduates, the power of our words. How many know your words have power? God designs you to have powerful words, yet we use our mouths for the wrong purposes. We're going to see here in just a minute that James says the purpose of our mouth is to praise God and to bless others. What have you used your mouth for this week? Have you ever been talking and realized that your mouth runs faster than your brain can keep up? You've been there? I'm there like every day. You need to pray for me, right? Mark Twain years ago said that, uh, in fact, let me just read the quote. He said, it is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I may have been on both sides of that coin. It's been said that a smart man knows what to say. A wise man knows whether or not to say it. If we ran our feet half as much as we run our mouth, we'd all be in shape for a marathon. How many know that's true? Now, James gives us some practical teaching that we're going to adhere to. And, and graduates, uh, really, this, this message today, if I could rewind the clock to when I was 18, uh, just a few months ago, uh, I wish someone would have spoken this to me and the power that your words have. So we'll look at James 3, but I want us to go back to Proverbs because all the way from Genesis to Revelation, we see the power that words have. Words that were spoken to people that were derogatory, that altered their course because someone let that affect them. In elementary school, my teacher lied to me. They said this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I have to admit now, in this season of life, I can look back, and some of the most painful things in life are the hurtful things that people have said to me. You know that too. So I want us to go to Proverbs, and we have an in the vault verse around here, and I want you to memorize this verse. I believe it will help you through your week. Why don't you stand for the reading of the Word, and let's go to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 23. Everybody say 21, 23. That's easy to remember, isn't it? 21, 23. Say it again. So you can look it up and know where it's at. Look what this verse, look what God has to say to us today, graduates. Let's read it together. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. I didn't do this in the earlier worship experience. Uh, let's do this. Turn to your neighbor and say it to them. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Now that's really fun, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Now let's let God speak it to us again. And 
Get it in our heart. One more time. Read it. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Where is it found? Proverbs 21, 23. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, would you help us? Lord, we get into so much trouble because we follow our mouth into all kinds of garbage. And I pray today that you would help us use our mouth for its intended purpose, to praise you and to bless others. I pray these graduates would feel our love and our appreciation and our excitement for their new seasons. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I knew this message was for you. Oh, my, this is going to be fun. Uh, let me pause and just say that uh, uh, we are so excited. One of our, our graduates, our former graduates, she's off in college now, Emily Meadows is here with us today. And Emily, yeah, give it up for Em, Miss EU, Evangel. And she's going off to be a Wycliffe Bible Translator intern. Wycliffe, we support them every month as our church, and they take the Bible and they translate it into languages that it's never been translated in before. Can you believe that? 2,000 years of Christianity, and we still have dozens and dozens of languages that there's no Bible. And Emily's given her summer. She's doing it, uh, and she needs support. She needs prayer support and financial support. These cards are on the information table, and I just wanted you to be sure and take it. At the end, we're going to pray for uh, Emily, but I want you to be aware of that. And I need to pause just right now and, and tell you that uh, our dear friend and brother, a member of this church, uh, Mark Ulbrich, uh, went to be with Jesus uh, this last week. Uh, he was a faithful man of God. He used to sit right there where Devin is and, and just worship God. He's a leader uh, at Voice of the Martyrs. Many of you know him from your ministry there. And uh, we don't understand God's timing sometimes, but we know that if we could, we wouldn't bring Bart, Mark back because he's not suffering at all. He's running and leaping and praising God. The memorial service is this Wednesday, uh, at th- or this Tuesday, I'm sorry, at, at the Stump Funeral Home. So be praying for the family. If you can't attend, I know it means so much to them. Now, let's get back. The power of our mouth, the power of words, the power of the tongue. There's four truths, really, that James gives us. I've divided it into four truths. And I really want you just to uh, just let this absorb into your spirit. Someone that's not a graduate just caught me just moments ago uh, during the meet and greet uh, right after worship and said, uh, that message was for me. So whether you're a graduate or not, I believe this will apply to you. So grab your message notes and just write a few things down. Number one, the first tongue truth is this. Your tongue limits the altitude of your life. Your tongue limits the altitude of your life. I've discovered after all these years of church work and pastoring, and, and I was a youth pastor for 10 years, watching students that, that had great potential, students and, and people that had much more potential than myself, and great, the sky was the limit. But I've watched them as they got negative in their words, negative in their mouth, griping about everything, complaining about everybody. No matter what came along the path, it was potty mouth. Anybody know that phrase Uh, some of my relatives used to use? And their negative words limited the altitude of their life. I've seen others with truly not so much given potential, yet they used words to praise God and to bless others. They kept a positive outlook with their words, and they soared to 30,000 feet when that top gun with more DNA potential never got off the runway. 
Your tongue are the flaps of the airplane of your life. They're going to determine how high you go. If they're, if they're down, you're going to go down. If they're up, you're going to go up. And I want you to understand that your words have consequences. Your words affect people. Your words affect yourself. Look what James chapter 3 says here at the beginning in verse 1. He says, not many of you should become teachers. Why? Because you haven't learned how to control your mouth. If you're going to be a teacher, you've got to have this thing together. Now, he says nobody does this naturally. We all have to work on it. But you are limiting your altitude by not understanding the power of your words. He said, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Why? Because we're using our words to affect others. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. What's he saying here? That it's really tough to tame your tongue. How many know when you get it set at someone, it's very easy just to let your tongue go in the wrong direction? Let me just illustrate this. Uh, when I was a kid, went off to kids camp, and I really felt like the Lord in an altar service was drawing me to do what I'm doing, to pastor, to minister. And I just put it aside. No, that was just me. That was bad pizza. The next year, the same thing happened. The next year, the same thing happened. And even in church, I would feel this draw. And I wouldn't tell anybody because I had plans already for my life. It included making a lot more money. And so I just put it off. I put it off. And finally, I told one of my cousins at a camp, I said, you know what? Boy, I keep feeling this. And, and at a dinner table, we got back from camp. She said, Daryl has an announcement to make. Thank you very much, Stacy. And so I said, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. Well, after they all quit laughing and my dad got up out of the floor because he had rolled off laughing uh, from the dining room table, this was as absurd as anything he'd heard, uh, I didn't think much about it. But I can look back now, and when I said it, something was set in motion, and I've never looked back since. I wonder now, if I hadn't said it, where I'd be now because I really felt like I was supposed to do this and I said it. And there's something about thoughts and dreams, but once you speak something, there is power in your words. And I want you to see that your words will affect the altitude of your life. Think about it this way. If you've got a barrel full of water and the barrel gets bumped, what happens? The water comes out of it. You're the same way. When you get bumped in life, when someone does something wrong to you, says something wrong to you, What's in you comes out of you. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I love, I can't really tell what's in you here in church. Some of you are faking it pretty good. We've all done that. But when we get out in the park or playing a game or in traffic, I can quickly find out what's in you. Because what's in us comes out of us. If the words that are coming out of your mouth are not good, you need to let God get down in the depths of your heart because what's in you will come out of you. The power of words is so, so important. How many know that sometimes we have so much trouble with words, we should be carrying a glue stick instead of chapstick? You know, just glue your lips together. It might be helpful some days, wouldn't it? Now, my wife has taught me so much in this because I'm one of those that sometimes I'll speak before my brain is fully engaged, and, and I've learned that's not always wise. I've been told that's not always wise. Now, my, my wife, I've never heard her say negative thing about anybody. She's just an angel. I, she's just angelic. And she uses her words to praise God and to bless others. But she has this little challenge. Have you ever gone to a store, to a cash register, and you're, you're checking out, and someone's, someone's just a jerk to you? 
That, doesn't that, it ticks me off because I'm giving them my hard-earned money, and they're not even happy to take it. They're not even going to say good day or thank you. But that just ticks me off. I want to say, you need to get your boss over here and learn some customer service. I like going to Chick-fil-A. We're supposed to get one soon. You know, everybody's praising God about that because we love our chicken sandwiches around here, our waffle fries and sweet tea. And we play a game. My family plays a game when we go to Chick-fil-A because when you ask them for something, they're required to say, my pleasure. Hey, I need a straw. My pleasure. Can I get a refill? My pleasure. So we play a game. We see how many times we can get them to say, my pleasure. We're up to like 37. It's just amazing. But even at Chick-fil-A, boy, you can get someone, my pleasure. And it can kind of tick you off. So what Faith does, and she's challenged me to enter into her little uh, powerful pathway, is she says, Daryl, I try to change the trajectory of somebody's day. If they're really grumpy, the power of your words are amazing. So I'll watch her, and she'll go up, and someone's in the cash register just down, or they're angry or whatever, and Faith will just ooze grace, and she doesn't do it sarcastically. She just does it with sincerity. And would you believe in about 10 or 15 seconds, I can see someone's body language go from this just to this, just by some nice words. Did you realize you have that much power over people? That you can change the trajectory not only of your own life, but of someone else's life just by the words you speak? But we're tempted to draw it, be drawn into their negativity. They're a jerk, so I'll be a jerk. They're not saying thank you, so I'm not going to say you're welcome. And instead, faith has taught me, no, I'm just going to use a few seconds, and I'm going to change someone's day, and you can do it too. I really believe it. Your tongue sets the altitude of your life. It also does this, number two, tongue truth. Your tongue sets the direction of your life. So on the airplane, there's flaps that determine the altitude, but there's a rudder that determines the direction. And you will, you will determine the direction of your life by your tongue. And listen, I, I've been in church so long that people come in the same situation, the same day right now, it's either cold or hot or loud or soft or too too nice of chairs or too not, not good enough chairs or the floor is too shiny or not shiny enough. And I've seen people with same circumstances have cursing come out of their mouth and have praise come out of their mouth. So what I've determined is it really doesn't matter circumstances. It could be too loud or too soft, too cold or too hot, too fast or too slow, and it wouldn't really matter. Now look at the text here that James that James has for us. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Now your tongue can lead you through treacherous waters. It doesn't matter whether the sea's cold or hot. It doesn't matter whether the wave's high or low, high tide, low tide. It doesn't matter. Listen, I'm telling you, as a pastor, I've seen everything, and it matters your heart. It's a true story. I'm sitting at breakfast this morning. I'm eating my oatmeal. I'm trying to be good. And I start jotting down some words. You know, I'm a, I'm a Johnny Cash fan. So before I do this, my apologies to Johnny. But truly, I've seen everything, and it matters your heart. Listen to this. I can't believe I'm doing it. I've seen everything, man. I've seen everything. 
I've seen soft and loud, fast and slow. I've seen pews and chairs and crooked rows. I've seen jumping, running, sitting, shouting, praising, laughing, crying, pouting. Formal, casual, coffee and tea. Learn faith and fear is really up to me. I've seen everything, man. I've seen everything, man. Lord, it's not about what I want, man. It's about giving my heart to God, man. Surrender yourself to Jesus, man. You say, I can do all things through Christ, man. I've seen everything, man. I've seen everything. How about this guy over here? I got a verse two. Are you up for it? Because I've seen everything in church. It matters your heart, not the stuff. Here we go. You ready? Lord, forgive me. I've seen overhead slides and video. I've seen haze and fog, been on the radio. I've seen skinny ties, fat ties, ugly ties, no ties, suits and vests. You tie my bow tie. I've seen church at every time, morning and night. I've seen unity with red and yellow, black and white. I've seen everything, man. I've seen everything, man. Lord, it's not about what I want, man. It's about giving my heart to God, man. Surrender yourself to Jesus, man. You say, I can do all things through Christ, man. I've seen everything, man. I've seen everything. <laughs> Give it up to the Tennessee Four. Right up here on the platform. <laughs> uh, this, this is true. 15 minutes before our first worship experience, I said, hey, I got something I want you to do. Can you believe they pulled that off? They'd never heard it. I just wrote it. And they pull that off. Uh, some of you may not know, my uncle played lead guitar for Johnny Cash for 30 years. So, again, apology to Johnny and June. Apology to my uncle Robert today. But I've seen everything, man. And it doesn't matter the circumstances. It matters our heart. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It doesn't matter what you're going to navigate. This little tongue, that little rudder on a big Navy ship, steers the ship. And this tongue will steer you where you're going. If you want to know where you're headed... Just listen to yourself. Now, that's a little scary for some of you. Some of you have been praising God no matter what. Man, I'm with LC. He says, man, this is the best day of my life. Man, I was with Eugene Craighead just a minute ago. Man, Mr. Positive, full of the Spirit, Word of God. Doesn't matter what comes across his path because he's full of the power of God and it comes out of him. Does it come out of you? Your tongue will set the altitude, but it will also set the direction of your life. Truth number three, your tongue is capable of atomic destruction. Your tongue is capable of nuclear disaster. <laughs> Have you ever thought, man, I was just tempted to say something about this, and so you say something about somebody, and they hear it, and they multiply it, and they multiply it, and another person multiplies it, someone else. Pretty soon, you've ruined somebody's complete reputation. The power of our words are great. I want you to see what James says here. Uh, on this destructive part of our tongue. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Boy, our, our forest fires, uh, Danny Wadsworth is one of our, our firefighters, and, and boy, the fires that they fight, and sometimes they're smart, started just by a little cigarette thrown out of a trash, and, and thousands of acres and homes can be harmed just by one little spark. The same thing with our tongue, that it's so powerful. Listen, if you want to have a healthy marriage, you better be speaking positive, healthy things to your spouse and to yourself. If you want to have a healthy relationship with your kids, you better be speaking healthy, positive things. Because look what he said. The tongue is a fire, 
a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. What you say stains the rest of you, setting on fire the entire course of life, set on fire by hell. Have you ever been in a situation where there's just gossip, slander, and malice? It's kind of fun. You ever wonder where that inspiration just to be evil comes from? comes straight from hell to destroy. What does the evil one do? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he would love you to use your mouth for his purposes. Graduates, God will allow you to speak praise to him and bless others, and the devil will give you temptation daily to steal, kill, and destroy your own altitude, your own trajectory, and somebody else's hope. What are you using your mouth for? Should we dare let the Holy Spirit reflect upon our week and say, did you praise, did you bless, or did you curse, did you condemn, did you criticize? We have these bracelets. In fact, there's uh, some small ones out for the first time because I got a lot of ladies with little tiny wrists, and they couldn't keep the love, joy, and peace on. And so we've got different sizes back there today. And this is just to remind us, I'm going to speak love and joy and peace. The inside scripture on the inside, it's engraved. I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to complain. Because you can't have love and joy and peace if someone around you is complaining and griping and condemning. There's no way you can have love and joy and peace. So that's why we remind ourselves that when we're tempted to condemn and criticize, we, we just pop ourselves. Say, stop that. Don't do it. Because we're being inspired where it says right here. Now, I just, I just want to share something real quick. And this is not in your notes, graduates. This is just me, a pastor, a shepherd, to graduates. As a pastor, I get really concerned with transitions. Let me tell you what I mean. So when a, a child goes from children's ministry into, uh, into youth ministry, I, I worry. Because sometimes they don't transition well and I want them to keep the faith and to move closer to God. It's why uh, we developed 6-8. Pastor Jordan Corinne have just knocked it out of the park. It's been such an amazing ministry. When a student goes from high school to college, I worry because I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen people get caught up in different directions. They start listening to other things from other voices. That comes out of their mouth, and it changes the direction of their life. And so, so I, worry about, I worry about transitions. I was in an educator's meeting, and and some educators were telling me they're so pleased now with our Bartlesville school system because there's one less transition. Even teachers and principals worry about transitions, and, and now we've eliminated one and all the high schools together. They did that to avoid the transition. And if I could go back and, and say, I want you to be spiritually healthy, here's three things. And I've worked this into sermons. I've worked it into uh, a couple times this last year. But in order for you to be spiritually healthy, you've got to do three things. Your counselors at high school, they worry about your academic health. Uh, they worry about your financial security. They talk to you about, you know, if you do this, you'll make more money. And I've discovered in life, you can make a lot of money and still be miserable. We've had billionaires take their lives here in the last few months. Evidently, that didn't get them. We've had really smart people do some stupid things. And so I'm more worried about your spiritual and your emotional health than I am really your mental acumen or your financial destiny. I really don't care about that. I've seen really poor people with nothing be really, really happy. So let me tell you, here's three things. If you just write it down. This is just for the graduates. Some of you might, if you've never heard me say it, write it down too. Three keys to spiritual health. One is daily devotion. Everybody say daily devotion. You've got to get with God. Why? Because if not, the voices of the world are going to affect your mouth, and that will affect your destiny. 
So you got to have a daily devotion. If you don't right now, do a verse a day. Just get a verse a day. Get a Bible app. All you got to do is get our app. It's already on there. And do a verse a day. You'll grow into a passage. You'll grow into a chapter. You'll, you'll keep growing. But just start a verse a day, and I'm going to pray. Praise, repent, ask guilt. Daily devotion. And then I'm going to have weekly worship. Everybody say weekly worship. Um, I saw Todd here, and I don't mean to pick on him, but Todd went off to college a year ago, and he immediately found a great church. And when you go off to another town, um, it's easy just to go to a different church every week, and then you just fade out and don't go to church at all. He found a good church. Someone said, go somewhere else. He said, no, I've already found a good church. I'm going to stick here. And he's already gotten involved. Because everybody needs weekly worship. You need to get together with people and encourage them. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, don't stop meeting together. In fact, <laughs> then he starts talking about sinning after that, that this helps us and encourages us. So you need a weekly time of worship where you're just going to get alone with God with other people. And then, then lastly, lastly, you need an annual assessment. So I want to every year, just once a year, say, Lord, am I, am I closer to you or further away than I was last year? Am I a better dad? Am I a better husband or worse? Am I a better pastor or am I, am I letting it get to me? And so I want to have an annual assessment where I just say, Lord, how are you helping me? So daily devotion, a weekly worship, and an annual, assess, an annual assessment. Now, I want to talk just for a minute, just for a minute about emotional health. So I'm really worried about this with your generation. Uh, there's a lot of firsts for your generation. You're constantly connected. Uh, you don't have to have adults teach you. You can search it on the internet. You're the first generation to always have had that your whole life. And so because of that, there's some emotional pitfalls that come. And I want to encourage you to do this. Every day you need a daily, this is not spiritual, this is emotional. I've seen some spiritual people running and jumping and praising God, and then they crash emotionally. They never get it together. So I want you to be emotionally healthy, too. And here's what you need to do. One is daily diversion. This is for some of you stressed out people, too. Listen, if you're constantly giving, 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 working, 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 and you never put anything back in, you're going to crash and burn. I, I've watched it happen hundreds of times. Crash and burn. So you've got to have a daily diversion. Just a minute. I have a couple things that I do. Uh, faith, it's gardening. Gardening takes the life out of me, but it puts life back into uh, faith. And so you've got to just find something and do it. Even if it's five minutes, you've got to do something that puts life back into you. Second, you've got to have, um, um, <laughs> I forgot my words. You've got to have, that's why I should have notes up here, right? You've got to have a, a daily diversion and you have to have uh, a weekly withdrawal. Everybody say withdrawal. Sorry, my, my brain's not, not catching up with my mouth, as I said before. A weekly withdrawal, what does that mean? Take an hour off, take an afternoon off. God took a day off, and just rest. Put aside your cares and recreate. Recreate means God's going to recreate, recreation, inside of me what, what the world has taken out of me. So you've got to have a weekly withdrawal. And then, then third, you need to have an annual abandonment. Everybody say abandonment. So on the emotional side, I'm going to have a daily diversion, a weekly withdrawal, and then I'm going to have an annual abandonment where I, uh, where I just get alone and I, I check out. For, for my own self, my, my family will tell you that's the only time I really splurge is because I need to make up time with my kids. Uh, as pastors, we are honored to be with people and we run to crises and, and this and that. But on an annual abandonment, uh, my deacons asked me to turn off my phone and just spend time uh, with my family. And so I'm telling you, I have to do this. Spiritually, I do those things to keep healthy. Emotionally, I do my best to do those things to keep healthy. And I want you to be healthy. I want you to, to follow Jesus all the days of your life. And when you look back, I promise you, if you follow Jesus and follow his words, you will have no regrets. I promise that. In fact, let, let me tell you, um, 
I'm always uncomfortable. I'm just going to confess talking about this. I have an accountability partner who chides me. He says, you've got to talk about it more because your people witnessed a miracle, and you need to give the Lord praise. So I'm going to talk about it just for a second today. A part of our journey that I haven't talked about, when we said, Lord, we know you need to give us a different facility so we can disciple more people. Right now, our facility limits us with classes and space even in here. Um, all the experts say, you got to do something. So we've been praying. All of us have been sacrifices, sacrificing. God asked you to do crazy things, and God asked us to do a couple crazy things as well. And you remember that we said we're going to give up our, our paycheck for a year, and we thought that was crazy enough. And then I told you the story. God said, and what about that insurance? And what about the retirement? And, and so we just kept saying yes and yes. And it was a year ago that um, God spoke to us again. And knowing that we were going to do, because we wrestled with this for about six months about the journey, what God was speaking to us. We knew I get to represent uh, about 400 churches and 1,600 ministers in our national fellowship. And they, they pay for my expenses to go to a biannual meeting. And, and so I was, I was scheduled to go, and it's, it was down south. And so we put just a little bit money back. I'm just confessing because we wanted to go, and we knew we were going to have a paycheck. So I wanted to take my kids down there. We were driving down the road, and Faith said, hey, you know that little money that we put back? I said, yeah. God spoke to me too. She said, you know we're supposed to give that away. I said, yeah, I know. In fact, God spoke to me how we how, what we're supposed to do, and that's private. I won't tell you what we did with it, but, but Faith said here, and God had spoke to us the same thing, to do the exact same thing with it, and so, and so we did. We just obeyed the Lord, and what we did is none of your business, but, um, but we gave it away, and would you believe, I'm always shocked, because the Bible says if you give, uh, press down, you know, we just said praise the Lord, and we were just so honored, and, and so the Bible says if you give, he takes it, he presses down, he shakes it together, and he gives it back to you running over. Do you believe that? Now, why? I was talking to my accounting part partner yesterday, and it's like, why am I shocked when this happens? So, would you believe tomorrow uh, I have uh, five free tickets and a free place to stay, and I'm going to do a little annual abandonment. I'm getting out of here. And why I'm shocked? Because you give something away, it comes back to you. I get to go to one of my favorite places. And so, we're checking out, isn't God good? Listen, when the Lord speaks to you to give something, you don't do it so you'll get something back. But God the Father is so gracious that He multiplies it back to you. I've seen it over and over and over again. And the reason some, we learned last week, the reason that you're not getting what you were asking for, we see in the book of James, and we'll talk about it in two weeks, uh, is because we don't ask with proper motivation, that we're doing it selfishly. And here, man, we can be really selfish with the power of our tongue. We can be greedy with it, or we can be generous with it. And how many know if you speak words of mercy, you're going to get words of mercy back? If you go to Chick-fil-A and say, it's my pleasure, you might get a few of those back. If you're kind to the person at the checkout that's gripey, you can have the power that faith experiences, and you can change their life. But I want you to understand that this is so important. Remember we talked about that two weeks ago, the integrity, generosity, humility, and faith are the keys to life. Integrity takes care of that lust of the flesh, and Generosity takes care of the lust of the eyes. I don't covet. Instead, I just give everything away. Humility gets rid of the pride of life, and I have faith in God, and then you will be on a one-way destination to the plan of God. How many believe that? Now, I'm going to ask the musicians to come back. I just have one last truth here. This is, your tongue is capable of eternal praise. I want you to see the, the difference there. Your tongue is capable of atomic destruction, nuclear disaster, or it's capable of eternal praise. In fact, this is really why God gave you vocal cords. James 3, 9, and 12, it says this. With it, 
We bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Can we get that scripture up there? Yeah, James chapter 3, verses 9 and 12. Thank you, media team. Sometimes I'm hard to keep up with. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What's James doing? He's kind of throwing a little sarcasm in there. It's like, how are you doing this? Listen, out of the same bucket back there isn't coming water and sweet tea. Out of the same thermos isn't coming hot chocolate and coffee. But out of our mouths, we come and we praise God on Sunday mornings, and then we curse our neighbor on Monday afternoons. James says, that's a tragedy. What if you used your words for its intended purpose? To bless our Lord and Father, Lord our God and Father, and to bless other people instead of cursing them. What if you did that this week? Can I tell you, I promise it would change the trajectory of your life, and it would also change the trajectory of people around you. Why do you think God put those jerks in your family or in your business anyway? It's so you could be the light of the gospel to them. How's your mouth? Would you let the greatest ear, nose, and throat specialist ever, the Holy Spirit, come and speak to you? Are you using your words, your mouth, for its intended purpose to praise God? It'll change your altitude. It'll change your direction. It'll put out atomic fires. We all have that opportunity to be gasoline or water. What is your mouth doing? And we can bless God with all of our hearts. I'm going to ask right now if the graduates would join me up here. If you're a high school or college graduate, would you step out right now? Would you come down front? We just want to say a prayer of blessing over you today. Uh, these people are going to have an opportunity to bless you and to say congratulations at our reception in just, uh, just a minute. Yeah, go ahead and step out. Any other graduates? We had a bunch in our first worship experience. Is this all of them, Jordan? No, Pastor Jordan's, I know they don't want to do this, but thank you for obliging me. And then I'm going to Emily, would you mind to join us up here? Emily Meadows. Uh, she's graduating into the Wycliffe internship. These are world changers right here. <laughs> I've known some of their families all my life. What a blessing it's been to see them excel in athletics and academics and sports and uh, in the things of the church. I couldn't be prouder. It's always sad to me because I know they're not going to be here every Wednesday. But God has great things for you guys. And I just want you to, if you hear anything today, just, just know that the power of your tongue is going to set that altitude in that direction, that God has no limits, that the sky is the limit. And I'm going to ask you, would you all just stand up? And if you're a family member, a youth pastor, youth leader, a friend, you want to come pray with them, I'm going to ask them to just kind of scoot, scoot, if you guys want to spread out just a little bit so we can get around you. And we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over these amazing young men and women of God. Um, some people say, Pastor, are you, you worried about the, the next generation? No, I'm a little worried about mine, but I'm not worried about this one. They are passionate about the things of God. Maybe they ought to be teaching us, older people, this sermon today, because I hear amazing, powerful, full of faith things come out of their mouths. So would you stretch forth your hands 
And can we just get around, everybody laying hands on at least one of the graduates, and, and let's just pray. God, I just thank you in Jesus' name, Lord, for your power and for your strength, Lord, for your encouragement. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, your touch, Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, for it. Lord, we thank you, God, for Devin and Briarwick, Lord, for Lauren. God, I pray for Emily, God, as she embarks on this brand new chapter that you would provide for all of her needs, God. Let it be a life-changing, eye-opening experience, Lord. You've called her there for a purpose. Lord, I pray that anything, God, that's been said, whether it was in middle school and someone said something stupid, or it's in the hallway at the locker room, or in the cafeteria. God, whatever words, Lord, have been used as enemies or obstacles, may your grace erase them, and may the power of God come upon these young men and women of God. Lord, I thank you. Fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Breathe upon them. Keep their faith strong. When they encounter professors and, and colleagues and students that are doubters and, and atheists, Lord, may the grace of God come over them, and may you give them the right words to say and the right timing to say them. Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Can we put our hands together once again for these amazing graduates? Thanks again for listening to the message today. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find us online at spiritchurch.com or any social media platform at Spirit Church.